0: I'm Daniel Levine, and this is RareCast. As databases containing the genetic information of individuals proliferate, an opportunity for physicians, researchers, and individuals to find people with specific rare mutations exists. Matchmaker Exchange represents an effort to tie together a variety of databases, make them accessible through a single portal. We spoke to Anthony Filipakis, cardiologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital and a data scientist at the Broad Institute's Program for Medical and Population Genetics, about the Matchmaker Exchange, which he helped create. Philip Hockis discussed how the exchange works, the benefits he hopes it will provide, and the technical and other challenges it faces. Anthony, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Um, it's a real honor uh, to be able to talk to you today. Uh, I am a really wonderful uh, honor to be a part of the Global Team family and, and very glad.
0: We're going to talk about the Matchmaker Exchange, an effort to allow clinicians and researchers to scan large volumes of genomic data and and find patients with rare genetic disorders who may have the same mutation as others. Perhaps you can begin with a genesis of this project. How how did it come about?
1: Um, Well, so uh, let me step back first and talk about um, the need for genetic matchmaker services, and then I'll talk a little bit about how the matchmaker exchange came about. Uh, In both research and clinical life, uh, it's very often the case that um, a doctor will be able to get to a genetic variant after seeing a patient that looks like it might be causal, but you're not sure. And the usual way that we validate the role of a gene or a genetic patient in a disease is by getting a large number of for the same genotype. Um, the challenge with rare diseases quite honestly is that they're rare and so our ability to get um, groups of patients together is And then moreover, uh, the physician can get in touch with the other physicians to see those patients uh, and start to turn out it's likely the case that um, their patients uh, have all of these patients have the same disease. So this is a very natural and a very good idea that over the years has been a very effective tool for anonymity with a large number of genetic discoveries. Um, the challenge, however, is that each of these entities grew up in the bottom, uh, And... This is very much a situation where if we could, the more samples that we can pull together, the faster the research will advance. Uh, So given that, uh, a researcher uh, at my hospital The idea is to build a federated network of uh, matchmaker services, where if I make a query, if I, if I go to a lab that I'm used to working with and I query um, whether or not there are any other clinicians that have patient patients, that query doesn't just go to my hospital that I'm used to working at, but many other hospitals.
0: What problem would you say this is trying to solve?
1: So the problem that this is trying to solve is discovering the genetic basis of human disease. Uh, In order to map uh, the genes that cause disease, we have to get lots of patients with the same disease, and recruiting them is very challenging.
0: What data is available, and are there health records or phenotypic data that are linked to the genomic data in these databases?
1: So, um, in general, yes. The amount of phenotypic data that is available, uh, series according to the patient, according to matchmaker service, uh, and even
0: I think of participants in the process, and, and I'm hoping you can walk me through how this works for each of these various stakeholders. First, there are a large number of institutions participating in the effort. Can you give some sense of the scope of the partners and, and their roles?
1: Yes. Yeah, uh, so there are, uh, trying to answer this question, There. this is very much a work in progress, and there are a large number of matchmaker services that are working towards connecting with one another. Uh the number that have actually built the pipes to talk to each other is currently five. Um uh, the groups are uh, in several different places. Uh it's one of them is in Canada. Uh another one is in Australia, uh and in Europe we have
0: and in terms of researchers and clinicians, what do they have to do to use the exchange and what do they need to be able to input and, and what do they get in terms of data in the form of output?
1: So, I, uh, to walk through a specific example, I, in general, uh, and again, there are some variations according to each of the participating class, but the usual workflow is that I, as a clinician, I will give my email address and log in. So, again, it, it should be access controlled because of the sensitive nature of the data. Uh, I submit the gene that I have um, identified as possibly being a possible disease. Uh, and I also disclose um, my identity.
0: How about the patients themselves can they get access to the exchange can they submit their genomic information and what will they get back if they do
1: so there's very much this is very much on the roadmap um, to enable uh, research participant directed matchmaking I currently uh, it's very much a work in progress but it's very much a part of the future of matchmaker exchange
0: this is the type of system where you mentioned before that Value of it increases with the number of participants with data. How much of a technical challenge is there from working with what I imagine are many different types of databases, all which may have their own peculiarities?
1: That's a great question. So, um, we faced this question early on, and you're right, each of the different matchmaker services uses a different community of technologies and architectures in a different one of the major first milestones of the Matchmaker Exchange effort was, uh, to define a common interface. So, for people who are involved in software development know API, an application programming interface, but what it really means is a common interface, and what's behind that interface can vary according to the Matchmaker's but what's exposed to the external world is a common standard. Uh, and this very much grew up, um, through efforts of the Global Alliance. Standards uh, for genomic data sharing.
0: It is all this done virtually, or does the exchange have any kind of a dedicated team?
1: Uh, so, the, each of the services um, has software engineers uh, or computational biologists that are working to, to uh, stand up the service. Um, there's not a central something that uh, drives the whole thing, each of them has had to figure out a way to fund their own efforts. Uh, or as part of just a general uh, hospital or laboratory budget.
0: I know it's early stages for you, but at this point, have you seen any benefits from the exchange so far? Is there any data on its usage or indications of results?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, there are many, quite a bit of utilization uh, already, uh, and several cases have been solved uh, using the service. And by solved, I mean uh, we were able to identify um, and provide evidence that a given mutation was causal in a disease that not be characterized before. So I think, although it's early days, we're already seeing for the first
0: time. We often think of benefits in, in scientific terms, but even after getting sequencing performed, rare disease patients may be aware that they have a specific mutation but have no name to put to their condition and and no understanding of the consequence of that, finding others with the same condition not only can provide insight about what they may face, but connection and support. I'm wondering if, if you see that as a result of this process. Are, are you able to pair patients together with like mutations?
1: I uh, Well, that's uh, very much the goal of, of being, when I say, to solve a case is to feel that you successfully identified the genetic mutations that cause um, the rare disease. So that very much is um, part of it. Now, the next slide I think you said was about enabling um, patients with the same disease to be able to connect to one another and talk about disease experiences and, and talk about that might be well positioned to care for um, That's not currently yet part of where we are. Um, I think there's a tremendous potential there and really it's at this stage, which is too early on in the to really enable that, but I would all love to see that happen.
0: So in terms of where you go from here, are there specific goals that, that the exchange has set for itself?
1: Yes. Um, so I, I would call it, there are at least uh, three sets of goals, um, and in each different Uh, make us more efficient at actually mapping the genetic mutations. Uh, so that's one bucket, that's a very technological bucket. Second, at a uh, mission and societal level, we very much want to see the number of matchmaker services that are participating in the exchange grow. Uh, we went from zero to three to five during a period of about, uh, one and a half years. Uh, so certainly that's trending in the right direction. We'd love to see, see more, uh, groups join in. Um, Third, and this is more at the level of, of societal change, you know, unfortunately there's not nearly enough genomic data sharing. together all the data in one place. But Matchmaker Exchange has a much more um, available and shareable model, which is that there are lots of groups that each um, have a database, and then we're connecting them together to enable data sharing. So I think the third mission, and really the most important one, is to advance the cause of genomic data sharing around the world.
0: And in some regards, I guess before this period of genomics, as we shaped privacy around healthcare, you know, have, have we somehow erected impediments to unlocking some of the the knowledge we can be gaining in doing so?
1: I I do. I do. I believe that Matchmaker Exchange has really been a leader and, and given an example for others to follow for the cycle of If you think about the stages that we um, the stages by which we've developed the exchange, it followed a very nice route where the first thing was to um, establish technical standards in the form of APIs for genomic data sharing. Then the second leg was to better understand the regulatory environment and scope what would be possible. Uh, the third leg was to come up with um, the standard operating procedures uh, that researchers had to follow or clinicians in order to use the exchange. So, for example, you have to commit to not re identifying a uh, patient, um, which I think everyone agrees is the right answer. But Um, and coming um, up with a outbreak procedure. So, if you look at each of the milestones that we uh, accomplished, I think it becomes a nice framework for other genome data sharing efforts to follow.
0: Anthony Filipakis, cardiologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital and a data scientist at the Broad Institute's Program for Medical and Population Genetics. Anthony, thanks so much for your
1: time today. Great, it's a real honor.